Hi, and welcome to the Genesis Podcast. We're so glad to be able to bring a small portion of our community to you through this medium and hope that you'll join us in our endeavor to embolden one another to change the world by effectively representing Jesus Christ. If you would like to know more about who we are as a community, as well as when and where we meet, you can visit us online at thegenesisstory.com. Also, if you have benefited from this podcast in any way or would like to participate in what we're doing here at Genesis, would you consider partnering with us by donating online again at www.thegenesisstory.com. There you can select the giving tab and how you would like to contribute to the general fund or even to the building fund. Remember, we can do more together than we can ever do alone. Thanks for taking the time to be with us. God bless. Good morning, everybody. Welcome. Glad you guys are here. Um, you know, I know things are changing regarding COVID again. Uh, we will keep you posted as things come along, but I'm glad you are here this morning, and we look forward to our time together. I wanted to pause, though, before we get started and pray and allow this to be an opportunity where we lean into the opportunity for God to speak to our hearts and our lives. And Jesus is always desiring to speak. Sometimes it's us who's not really matching that desire, wanting to hear. And so I hope this morning we will match his desire to speak to our hearts. And let's pause and pray together. Father, we are grateful for an opportunity to get together in your name and to open our hearts, our minds, our lives up to you and the opportunity for you to speak and minister to us, for our lives to be changed because of time spent with you. And we desire this to happen, Lord, and we ask that you, by your Spirit, would do a work in our midst collectively as we are here together, as we desire your work to be done. For we do pray this in your name, Jesus. Amen. All right, we've got a treat. We've got Lydia and Brian going to come up and lead us in worship this morning, so let's welcome them up. Let's contribute in our voices. Thank you, guys. Beautiful. Love that song. Got some announcements for you. Uh, you guys know we do the Take Two here on Wednesdays. It's going to be at 6.30 now instead of 7. So we're going to have a little time of like discussion before, and there'll be some refreshments. So Wednesdays, Take Two at 6.30 now instead of at, at 7 o'clock. Um, It'll be a good time to like discuss what they're going to talk about on the take two, uh, ask questions that maybe could get answered or explored. So I invite you to join us here uh, at 6.30 on Wednesdays. Saturday morning uh, at 8 a.m., we're doing a hike at the Claremont Wilderness Park, that five-mile loop there. So uh, meet us up there at 8 a.m. Saturday morning. Uh, heads up, there's a $7 parking fee. Um, but yeah, go get your walking on. That evening, next Saturday evening, is our uh, bi-monthly potluck, and this one's at Pastor Sam's house. So yeah, party at the pastor's house, uh, Saturday at 6 o'clock. It is an Italian theme, 
they're going to have lasagna and pizza and drinks. So if you could bring a side dish, bread, or dessert, please do. And RSVP, let, let them know you're coming, uh, and then we can get you more information, the address, and all that stuff. And there'll be social media posts about all that stuff. So make sure to follow the Genesis page if you're not doing that. Uh, next Tuesday, the 27th, we're going to have another packed class, courtesy of Jordan. Uh, yeah, philosophy and critical thinking. This class is on words, so I'm super stoked. I'll be there. Uh, we're asking for a $10 uh, suggested donation, but if you can't swing that, that's fine, too. Just show up and explore this idea of words. Uh, I'm super excited for that, Jordan, so I'll see you Tuesday. Um, obviously, we are here because of your generous your generosity, tithes and donations and love offerings. So I want to encourage you guys to keep doing that. Um, there's a number of ways you can give. You know, We make it super easy now with Zelle and Venmo, uh, the Genesis website. We do have a barrel here. You can put cash and checks in there. But continue to give. A generous heart is a godly heart. I truly believe that. So if you don't give here, give someone somewhere. Uh, but anyway, let's bring up Pastor Sam. Oh, I'm sorry. No. How could I? I know. It all goes out the window when you get in front of the microphone. Another uh, a special thing that we're going to start doing weekly, am I right? Yeah. Um, in between the announcements and Sam's talk, we're going to have live scripture reading, which I also think is a great idea to proclaim the word of God out loud. So, Alexandra Oliva, please come. Yes. I'm not Sam Scotty. I am Alex Oliva. <laughs> But if you have your Bibles with you, you can join me. I'm going to be reading from Matthew 5, verses 1 through 12. If not, you could just listen along. So I'm reading from the um, New Living Translation. One day as he saw the crowds gathering, Jesus went up on the mountainside and sat down. His disciples gathered around him, and he began to teach them. God blesses those who are poor and realize their need for him, for the kingdom of heaven is theirs. God blesses those who mourn, for they will be comforted. God blesses those who are humble, for they will inherit the whole earth. God blesses those who hunger and thirst for justice, for they will be satisfied. God blesses those who are merciful, for they will be shown mercy. God blesses those whose hearts are pure, for they will see God. God blesses those who work for peace, for they will be called the children of God. God blesses those who are persecuted for doing right, for the kingdom of heaven is theirs. God blesses you when people mock you and persecute you and lie about you and say all sorts of evil things against you because you are all my followers. Be happy about it. Be very glad for a great reward awaits you in heaven. And remember, the ancient prophets were prosecuted in the same way. Now join me in welcoming Mr. Sam Scotty. Am I on now? Okay. Thank you again to those out there. Just like to do that, everyone online be like, what's he saying? <laughs> so don't forget those important announcements. A <laughs> uh, couple of things just in touching in with what has been shared. Uh, with that hike, Jordan is very prompt, so if you're not there at 8 o'clock, he's walking without you, um, just so you know. Thought I'd let you guys know that. And we will give you more information on our gathering next Saturday, but I hope you guys can make it. And if you can't bring something, still come. Uh, we look forward to having another time together. It was great meeting at Ben's house last week, and we hope to do more things like that. 
Well, we're continuing a talk on the politics of Jesus. I mean, what else brings unity like religion and politics, right? So why not just bring those conversations together? Uh, and I spoke last week about what this means and what the politics of Jesus is, how it is a collective being together in an ideology. And we've seen how the ideology that Jesus presents is so different than ours many times. And this is his first, quote, sermon. As he publicly begins to speak what we call the Sermon on the Mount, and, and as he presents these words to the people and, and now to us, it, they are powerful in how they are received by the people, where they, at the end, says, we have never heard anyone speak like this. And one of the reasons that they comment on it in that way is because of how in the face of the systems that were there at the time it was. And we, so far removed, have a hard time connecting those dots. But when we do, we find that they're very powerful and very telling. And to get to where we just read or where Alex just read, in chapter 4, verse 17, we really get the the stage set when Jesus says, from that time, Jesus began to preach saying, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand, right? This is the foundation of the rest of Matthew's gospel. It's changed the way you see the world and live because God's kingdom is here now and be aware of it and live that way. What the kingdom is and looks like is all part of Jesus' first teaching. And that's what he goes on to say. And we see in the first verse that the crowds went up to the mountain and sat down. And we see also in chapter 4 who the crowds were. In verse 23, they went through all Galilee, he did, and teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom and healing every disease and every affliction among the people. So his fame spread through all Syria and they brought him all the sick, those afflicted with various diseases and pains and those oppressed by demons, those having seizures and paralytics. And he healed them and great crowds followed him from Galilee and Decapolis and from Jerusalem and Judea, and from beyond the Jordan. So this is the crowd. And it's very interesting because it's very specific who these people are. It doesn't just say that Jesus healed a bunch of people who were sick. It's the afflicted with disease, pains, oppressed by demons, seizures, paralytics. There's very distinct ways of presenting these things. And what we're seeing here, these are people who are outcasts from society. Many of these people could not even worship in the temple because of their affliction. They were the people who were marginalized and that's who made up this huge crowd now. Jesus is doing miraculous things and people are saying, hey, there's a great show, let's go see it. All right, what else? They don't have TV but they got Jesus healing people. What else are you gonna do, right? Watch the candle burn? I mean, what's gonna happen here? So they go to encounter what's going on here and the people who had been healed or the people who had heard that Jesus is healing and were sick are all going because maybe, just maybe, there's a chance that something good can happen to me as well. And it says that he got up on the mountain, sat down, 
and began to teach. And this is a call to what happened way back in Exodus with Moses. When Moses went up on the mountain and began to give the law to the nation of Israel, the people reading this would say, oh, I remember something like this happened once before. It happened way back when. And that's why Matthew's gospel has a story of Egypt when they fled and went to Egypt and they came out. Very similar, right? Matthew's trying to paint a picture. Something like Moses and what he did to the people is happening here with Jesus and what's happening with these people. In the gospel of Matthew, there are five really sections of teaching, just like there's five books of Torah. And there's these correlations that the people at that time would have seen, would have understood that for us, they're a little bit far removed but they would be reading this and immediately connect him to Jesus. And and why is this important? It it places Jesus in this powerful position. It it puts him in the mindset and a comparison of one of their leaders. If this person is like Jesus giving us, like Moses giving us something powerful, then this is transformational. This changed our nation. This is what made us a nation. This is has the opportunity to do something dramatic in our lives. And leaning into this, now they're starting to say, okay, what does he have to say? Someone who's going to lead the people. Jesus would later make the comparisons. You have heard it said, and he would quote the law, and he says, but I tell you. So something like Moses and what the law did is happening But now there is this idea of something even better, which is just like, what do you mean better? This is our life. This is our life. This is our identity. And you're saying something more? And as he begins this, the the blessing, there are nine blessings here. I think there's a lot of misunderstandings that have been presented on these. And the reason it happens is, again, because of our politics. And when I say our politics, as I spoke about last week, it means our individual freedom and identity as we put these things out. Remember, when the scripture's talking about you are the light of the world, you are the salt of the earth, it's not talking about you, you, you. It's talking about all of you. It's meant to include a lot of people. It's not meant to be an individualistic thing. And so when we hear these things, one of the distortions is that this is some sort of ethical ladder that you have to climb to be blessed. You know, if you're poor in spirit, then you can mourn. And once you you start to mourn, then you find yourself meek. And if you're meek, then you can hunger and thirst. And it's kind of this ladder that you have to climb to find blessing. But Jesus isn't telling you how to be blessed nor is he commanding you to be persecuted like he says in the end. That's not what we're being told. You have to do this, you have to do this. Again, it's to a collective. And what Jesus is trying to do is get to something deeper. Now, of course, meekness is a great thing. Peacemakers are great things. It's not like these aren't good things that we shouldn't do. But Jesus is not saying that these are things you have to do to become blessed. It's not a if-then situation. If you do this, then you'll get this. That's not what he's saying here. And again, this isn't to individuals. It's to a collective. The politics of Jesus is corporate. It's communal. So how do we do this? 
And we know that he isn't talking about this because of the word itself, the word blessed itself. There, there are two words that are used for blessed in the New Testament. One is when you're really just kind of wanting to bestow goodwill on someone. Oh, may you be blessed, may you prosper, may you be healthy, right? It's that kind of blessing. But the other is a word that uses, Jesus uses here that stands for something that's already happened. And it's something that we see, for example, when you would say, blessed are the children of the Rockefellers, for they will inherit lots of money. So it is theirs now, even though they don't yet have it. Right? And remember last week we talked about the kingdom of God is here, but not yet. And in the same way, the blessing is theirs, but they haven't yet received it. The idea is that they are currently a Rockefeller child and that the relationship guarantees them their inheritance. It's sure to come. They're already blessed in virtue of who they are. You see, you don't have to do these things to be the child of the Rockefeller or even a child of God. You already are a child and therefore these blessings are already yours. And and so that word, bless, some translations will, will put it as happy because that's kind of a literal word. But a more accurate description would be congratulations. And it's important because Jesus is pronouncing blessing that already exists because of his presence and the availability of the kingdom of heaven given first to this crowd of afflicted with disease and pains and oppressed and seizures and paralytics, those who had no voice He is saying the inheritance is yours now. How would they receive that? How would they hear this? Here is someone like Moses bringing in something new and he's putting us in the front row when we're used to being out of the building. And the first blessing that he says, poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom. It's not so much that the kingdom belongs to them, but the kingdom is made up of such as these. And that's what I've titled, entitled today's talk is such as these, the politics of Jesus, such as these, because he always brings us down to the reality of where we live, to the, where the world is, to where humans are, and those who are considered the least, Jesus wants us to see them in light of his kingdom. So Jesus is looking at the poor in spirit and saying, this is what you will find in my kingdom. People just like that, this is what my kingdom looks like. Remember in high school, there was these, I don't know, maybe it's different. I doubt it. But you have these groups that hang together, right? And, and these kind of cliques. And, and in my day, 
there were the stoners. There were people who were in the to disco. There, there were, hey, wait, yeah. <laughs> there were the jocks, right? You had these people, and they kind of hung together, and you could see who they were because they they looked similar, right? And, and you're seeing this crowd of people, and Jesus saying, "My kingdom looks just like this, just like this group of people." And seeing that group, you wouldn't have been like, oh man, I want to be a part of that group. I don't want to be a part of the sick, paralytic, and you know, demon-possessed, whatever that is. No, thank you. But Jesus is saying, yeah, no, this is where it's at. This is where it's happening. And so he's immediately challenging their ideas of what God is doing. And the second distortion, I think, that happens is that these are separate individual commitments, Right? Meek is one thing, merciful another thing, peacemaker another thing. These are all different things that are happening. But we know that's not the case because the first and the eighth beatitude both contain the same words where it says, theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And in ancient literature, this is called an inclusio where you see words or a phrase at the beginning and words at the phrase at the end, and they are sandwiching in everything in between. The very first time I went down to Mexico, we went to one of these colonias that are out in the middle of nowhere. And, and as we got there, we were you know, talking to the people, and one of them asked if we could give their mom a ride back into town. And so this older lady, probably like in her 80s, you know, came with these strangers, you know, got in one of our vans, and we were going to drive her back into the town where we were heading, because it was probably about an hour drive through this dirt road. And in the middle, we stopped. And there was some trees there and we parked under the trees. And my wife, who was supposed to go on the trip but couldn't go because one of her kids got sick, had made sandwiches for everybody and gotten chips and drinks and everything. And so we opened up the ice chest and we started handing out sandwiches and everything. And we handed this lady a sandwich. And I will never forget, this was the first sandwich she has ever had. She opened it up and she goes, oh, and I don't know what she was saying in Spanish, but she was saying they were translating. And she goes, this is amazing. It's got the meat. It's got the lettuce. It's got the tomatoes. And it's got the pan. It's all together in one thing. She had never seen a sandwich before. And it was like the most amazing thing. It was like watching a child on Christmas morning. Because it was all included there. And you see... What we're seeing happen here is this inclusion of all these different blessings that they really are a part of the same thing, right? Mark does the same thing in his gospel when Jesus goes up to a fig tree and he curses it because there's no fruit. And then he goes into the temple, clears the temple, and then comes back and they see the fig tree is dead. What that is telling us is that there is no fruit in the temple and it is dead what is happening. You see, and everyone at that time would read that and say, oh, this is what's going on. He's including this in that segment. And so that's what's happening here. But we, you know, we start making, well, it's when the nation of Israel will become a nation and then in the, the, the book of Revelation will become, no, he's talking about what just happened in the temple. It's very clear to them. We just get lost in the translation. These are like eight pieces of stained glass that together make an image. 
And the image they make is that of Jesus. Because who is poor in spirit? Who mourns? Who's meek? Who hungers and thirsts for righteousness? Who is the peacemaker? These are all reflecting of who Jesus is. And a third distortion, I think, is that these are just random call-outs, right? Jesus, someone, you look meek, blessed are you. Hey, you look poor in spirit, blessed are you, right? This isn't a game show. Jesus isn't calling out people and throwing out blessings to them. And again, when we hear these interpretations, it's because we have this view of individualism that loses the heart of what is being communicated to the collective, right? It's putting things together. And what Jesus then begins to do in these things is he begins to put together what the people at that time understood and knew. It's called stringing pearls. It's like, remember in summer camp where you'd go somewhere at school and then you'd put like macaroni on a string or beads and you'd make a little bracelet, those kinds of things. He's doing this with scriptures, things that they know. He starts one thing and then they finish it. It's like, you know, sitcom lyrics, right? If you started singing the, the beginning of, you know, the Brady Bunch, some of you could finish it, or maybe the Fresh Prince of Bel-Air, depending on what era. I don't know what, and that's my level of, you know, whatever's new out there. But they, we memorize sitcom lyrics, they memorize the Torah, you know, the difference in, in things. But when he says the poor in spirit and those who mourn, this comes from Psalm 61, and they immediately would know that because they were rehearsing that. They went to school. Even the people who were poor had education in Torah. And the context of Isaiah 61 is about the restoration of Israel and the return of Yahweh to Zion after exile. That just gives me goosebumps, right? Because they are talking about the restoration of Israel. Jesus comes and says, blessed are the poor, and he is restoring something more. And they would immediately see that this is what he's talking about. Now, in Luke's gospel, chapter four, Luke gives some of the blessings and then he gives some of the indictments. He gives some woes, right? So Matthew doesn't because Matthew is writing to the Jews who would know the indictment that is also there in scripture. Because the indictment that is there is that there would also be an impression, an oppression over the people. Isaiah, those who are mourning and mourning in their current state of Israel, the hope that the nation will be rebuilt. Can you see how the sick and oppressed and afflicted people hearing that would be encouraged? And how these words can lose their power when we bring them away from that culture and what they were longing for the meek and those hungering and thirsting for righteousness comes from Psalm 37 and 107. And they have to do with the repossession of the land. When Israel would repossess their land. So when it says the meek will inherit the earth, the word for earth and land are the same word. And Israel wasn't looking to inherit the earth. They did want their land. And so it was a big deal for them, this idea of land The land represents a place of promise, of security, a home. 
The meek means those who don't take advantage of their position. I love that definition. You're meek when you don't take advantage of your position of authority. You have the ability to use your power, but you don't use it in a way that just satisfies you. You're not using people for your own advantage. This is contrasted in this psalm by the wicked. The wicked are those who oppress the righteous, who rob from the poor. And so when Jesus gives the first part of the statement, in Matthew's gospel, he doesn't have to give the woe. In Luke's gospel, he gives the woe because those aren't the Jews who would know the Hebrew scriptures. And so he would tell them, you know, uh, woe are you who are rich now, for you will be poor. Those who are you filled now, or those who you are just, you know, living a life without pain now because you're living it, but you're going to lose it. And the idea is really striking against the religious leaders at that time. He is not just talking to the poor, He is talking to the Pharisees and those who are in charge, but he's doing it indirectly, but not being obscure about it at all. He's not pulling punches here. He knows that they know the context and he's talking to these who are broken and just being used for the sake of others. And he's saying the kingdom looks like you and you know who the wicked are. And that's why I say this is political because Jesus isn't mincing words here and he's not backing out of a fight with anybody. He's not picking the fight. He's just declaring things as they are. But in doing so, the implication of the religious leaders and the condemnation of the Roman government would not be misunderstood. It was present in his words. And so can you imagine, you ever been at a place when someone started talking and saying things that you didn't think they should say in this setting and you start looking around like, oh, is anyone else catching what's going on here? I can see a crowd of people looking at the Pharisees who are watching, looking at some Roman guard over there. They probably don't know what he's talking about with a reference, but he's definitely speaking about their condition in the world where they're at. And they're like, oh man, this guy's, going to get in trouble. And you know what? He did. Remember, this is why Jesus was crucified. He wasn't crucified because he healed the sick. He was crucified because he challenged the powers that were. And he undermined them. And he had the momentum of a crowd that they had to stop. Again, this is why the Pharisees wanted him crucified. And he says, blessed are the merciful. One of Jesus' favorite passages from Hosea 6, I desire mercy, not sacrifice. And what comes before that statement in Hosea? It's the judgment to Israel for desiring sacrifice over mercy. It's interesting that again, in Luke's gospel, right after the blessings, there is the woes. Here, it's implied. One more important part. The pure in heart comes from Psalm 24. It's referring to those who aspire to climb the hill of Zion to worship at the temple. The pure in heart will see God. It doesn't mean see him like we think of seeing, oh, I see you sitting there. It is, I will see God return the glory to the temple. I will see the glory of God come back to our worship. Come on. 
Jesus saying, kingdom of God is here. We're about to see the power, glory of God return to his temple. Bam. And you're here watching it. He is making church happen to a crowd. He is including them in the congregation of God, in the kingdom of God, and he is helping them to see this is the picture he's painting. The future promises of Israel are being restored through Jesus to these people and through these people. And that's how it would happen. Christianity was birthed with the sick, with the fishermen, with the tax collectors, with those who were suffering with seizures, those who were discarded are the ones that were embraced and the ones that God used and said, my kingdom looks just like all of you and the glory of God is returning now through you because of me. And again, we see why it's so important to read the scriptures in this light. And even reading them together, remember I told you last week, they never read scriptures alone. They was always read in synagogue or in the home churches when they started. It was so that these things could be understood. So it wouldn't just become, I think the Bible says this. It's like, this is what he's saying. Now let's see what it means to us. Let's see how we digest this. But it wasn't everyone has, oh yeah, I just read the Bible. And it wasn't out of a context. This was very much in context to the Life they were living to the society they found themselves and it was challenging their way of life. And boy, isn't that something that we could use today? Let's just think of the idea of meekness, not using our position to assert ourselves over others. What if our political system looked like that? I can't imagine. So anyway, let's go on, right? It's so unlike that. It's so about posturing ourselves so that we can position ourselves so that we can be better for ourselves. Our society is built on this. The politics of Jesus looks like the meek, looks like the poor in spirit, looks like the peacemakers. Jesus is telegraphing what he's about to do and it's surprising He is blessing those who are deemed less because of their condition. And he's helping shine a light so that they can see that there is more there. Have you guys ever seen shadow art? Rick, show that first picture and slide. Shadow art is where you'll get an object. Sometimes it'll even be like a pile of garbage. And you look at that and you say, huh, that's great. Yeah, want to hang that on my wall, right? But then you introduce something, you introduce light or something to it, and it then shows what's really taking place. Go ahead, Rick, put the next one up. And so now you see, oh, there's something more. I didn't see that before. You see, the leaders, the political rulers, looked at a crowd of sick, afflicted people, and they say, this is nothing. This is garbage. Jesus brought the glory of God in and said, no, this is something special. There is a majesty in what is happening here that is only brought about by God. And Jesus 
tells those who are struggling most that what they have been waiting for is here. And surprise, it's offered to you first. Before they get into the temple, it is offered to those who couldn't get into the temple. The image that Jesus doesn't Jesus isn't just passive. This image that he's just passive and he he doesn't want to push in to bring about change is not true. He is pushing, but he's still meek. I read there was a pastor recently in this political heated moment said that we need to be more authoritative in how we present our lives because we don't serve a meek Jesus. And that caught me. I thought, gosh, then what Jesus do we serve? Because I'm pretty sure he is meek. But meek does not mean weak. There's one for you. He's not passive. He's pushing against the leaders and pushing into the hearts of those that are hurting. He's offering this upside down kingdom to the ones who are filled with anger and angst, fatigue and frustration, the ones who are sick and sick of the way life is, to the victimized, the oppressed, unable to find hope or peace from the religion or from the government, unable to find a place where the zealots who want to overcome Rome or the priests who want to undermine and use people, they can't find a camp to plant their flag in. Those who don't quite fit in either of those situations or any of those that they see, here's Jesus proclaiming wonderful promises to them. And they ate them up because they knew this rings true, just like we do. And and so I love Jesus' words in Luke's Four, verses 18 and 19, when he begins, he says, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. This is what I'm here to do. The spirit of the Lord is upon me. The glory of the Lord is returning to the temple and this is what it looks like. In the middle of your struggle, you're blessed because the kingdom is here and offered to you in your condition. When the kingdom comes, two things will happen. Blessing to the humble and indictment to those who think they are strong and use their position over others to benefit themselves. Any politics that gets strength from using others to advance their own control or agenda is not the politics of Jesus. And then you can put that over any political system in our world. And so I'm not asking anyone to decide a political party. I'm asking us to think that whatever our political party, let it not be over the politics of Jesus and how we are to live towards others. And when Jesus says, poor in spirit, those who mourn, the meek, etc., he's not saying you're blessed because of these things, these circumstances, 
but they are in their circumstances, standing in a place of relationship in a way that is blessed because it puts them in proximity to God and his heart. Which really means anyone can be near to God. And it doesn't matter where you were born. It doesn't matter your social economic status. It doesn't matter your health. None of those things have any bearing on the kingdom of God being here and you being blessed because you are a child of God. Your inheritance is there. And we are going to get into the implications of all this later, but for now... I just want us to recognize how cool Jesus is in presenting this in this way and how difficult it is to live outside of our individualistic liberty mentality and how powerful Jesus' words are to bringing restoration to all people. These words are challenging me to the core, and I hope they do you too, to re-examine how I see my life, the individual way I look at myself and my relationship with God, and starting to see the bigger picture. Because blessed are these people. They belong here. Let's pray. Lord, it's encouraging to know that you see those who others overlook. That you see us when we do not stand out for any reasons that would be considered strong or powerful or or have a presence of worth that you still see value you still see us as family Lord that we are blessed not because of what we have but because of who we are in relationship to you the inheritance is ours may we lean into that and may we see others as a part of that not just ourselves not just our little club not just our little church but the whole of broken humanity is being invited to participate in your kingdom may we help them to see that by how we live may we include such as these in our understanding of you and your heart. We do pray these things in your name, Jesus. Amen. May we see those around us when we hear the words of Jesus and understand that we are a part of the work of God that he is doing in the world. May we take these words find comfort and give comfort to those around us for we are blessed. God bless you guys. Love you. Have a great rest of the day.
You have been listening to the Genesis Podcast. We invite you to join us at one of our weekly gatherings. You can find more information at www.thegenesisstory.com as well as opportunities to help financially support this podcast. Thank you for listening.